Hello, I'm Lo Bosworth, and welcome to the very first episode of my new podcast, I Love Wellness. I have sat down with some incredible humans over the last few weeks, and I'm so excited to share that with you all. On this show, we're going to be diving into all things health, wellness, career with some pretty badass people that I have been lucky enough to get to connect with. And it was hard to choose which episode to start with, but I finally chose my conversation with actress and MS advocate, Jamie Lynn Siegler. I didn't know much about Jamie Lynn other than the fact that I'm a huge huge Sopranos fan. It's my favorite show of all time. Um, I had heard that she was diagnosed with MS, but I had no idea that outside of fighting to find a way to live with it, she had in turn fought and won a battle within herself to find the peace um, that she is living with now um, as she deals with MS on a daily basis. She has really inspired me and given me a new perspective on living with an open heart and how some Sometimes it's not just the physical way that we manage our bodies, but the psychological ways that are really the most rewarding. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And I want to thank Jamie Lynn Siegler again. Also, if you're listening to the music, special thanks to musician E.B. Solace for the music for I Love Wellness. And this episode also is brought to you by my company and baby Love Wellness. We offer women modern and homeopathic personal care solutions for every part of their body. So check it out. On today's show, I'm so excited. I'm actually really fangirling right now. <laughs> Our guest came to the studio and I was knocking on the window and she's coming up with the steps. I've never met her before. And I was like, hey, hey, like pretending like we already you were the prettiest other. little face in that window. <laughs> hey, <laughs> um, today we have Jamie Lynn Siegler on the show. So claps for Jamie. Hi. Thanks. Such a My friendly clappers crew are back. here. I know. Um, Jamie is an actress. She was on The Sopranos, which is one of my all-time favorite shows. <laughs> and you have a new podcast out. It's called Mama Said, right? Yes. Exciting. It's all about, you know, parenting, motherhood. We like to coin as uh, talking about the, can I curse? Yes. Uh, the pretty and the shitty of motherhood, you know, because I think a lot of times people are afraid to like admit that sometimes it's not like you don't enjoy certain parts of right. being a parent and that's okay. And I think that when you don't talk about it is when it can get really bad. So, and shitty literally, I mean like, Oh, I'm yes. an auntie, but like I, my nephew has pooped on me more times than yeah, that. And by the way, you don't, you've never realized like how unfazed you are talking about poop, seeing poop, dissecting poop, dissecting caring about poop. poop. Like, that's gross. Yeah, it's Have so gross. Have you dissected poop? Yeah, I've Why? gone through it to see if something's passed through that like was eaten that shouldn't have been eaten, you know, stuff like, like that. A, like a little toy or like something? Like a Lego, yeah. A Lego. <laughs> That's fucking gross. But interesting. Yeah, yes. my nephew, he's five now, so he probably won't want me to, well, he'll never hear this. What am I talking about? <laughs> but when he was little, like one of the first days home, I was with my sister and she had just had this brand new baby and I got the first explosion, like out of this child, like, mm. you know, it's like I was changing his diaper and then he literally just like kept it just kept coming yeah. out like all over me all over the bedroom it was awful full blowout those full, are is that what those you call, call it them, the full blowout <laughs> blowout i'm not i'm not um i'm not eco-friendly with the blowouts in the sense that like i just <laughs> chuck the outfit like it's done it's done it's gone it's, I, don't, I don't need to wash this <laughs> i understand well when i have children of my own i 
look forward. Well, I don't know. No, I don't look forward to more poo explosions, but it's going to happen. Anyway, it's gonna, exactly. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Um, you have lived such an interesting, colorful life mm-hmm. and you live in Los Angeles, right? I do. And you have two boys. Yes. And a great husband. I do. Yeah. And how old are your children? Bo is five and a half mm-hmm. and Jack is a year and a half. Wow. What's yeah. it like being a mom to two boys? You know, I always thought I was going to have girls. And so <laughs> you felt it in your bones. Yeah. You well, as a young girl, <laughs> yeah. clearly I need to work on my psychic abilities. Um, so when I, but when I had my first son, I mean, everything was my first, you know, first experience with baby, everything. And the way he loves me, the way little boys love their mom is pretty intense Mm -hmm. and incredible. Um, so the fact that I have it twofold is really special. And I find that in thinking about it, I wanted a girl so bad when I when I got pregnant with my second and then when I found out it was a boy, to be honest, I was at first disappointed. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'm like, at least right now, like equipped to have a little girl, like emotionally. I need where I am in my life to have as much love thrown at me as possible to remind me that I am enough without certain things or, mm-hmm. and my boys do that for me. So being a boy mom is exhausting because they're wild <laughs> and rough and tumble, but it's pretty rad. I think that that's so precious. I love that. Well, I'm sure if you had a little girl, they would, they would love you a lot too. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, it's like, it's almost, you know, more just like the tude. I can see it with my friends and like they, they throw a lot more shade. They test you a whole lot more than little boys do. Yeah. I understand. Um, what does motherhood mean to you or like, what does it do for you? How has it changed you? Sure. Uh, motherhood has given me the most confidence I've ever had in my life. Really? For hands down. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, look, I doubt myself every day and I wonder every night when I'm going to sleep if I'm fucking them up or not, like by, you know, saying the wrong things or whatnot. But with all of that, I just, I just feel real, like I'm accomplishing something and I'm, I really have taken to the selflessness mm-hmm. and the um, sacrifice very naturally. And it just makes me feel really good about myself that it's not a problem for me to put other people first and mm-hmm. care so much. And now it's almost like I'm in this shift in my life of trying to reintroduce and make myself a priority as well. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's tested me in every which way. And I think that especially... I know we'll get into it and talk about it, but with my having MS and I have certain physical disabilities, I guess we'll call them or limitations. Mm -hmm. And I was always worried about that affecting my job as a mom, not in the sense of their safety, because I can be resourceful and crafty, but more of just like them feeling like they were getting gypped because they had Mm -hmm. a mom that couldn't do certain things with them. And, um, particularly my five-year-old, like, the way that he treats me and the way that he talks about my MS and then also the way he will say like, no, I know mommy can't run and play this with me, but it's okay because I'm going to do Legos and color with her later and then we're going to watch a movie and we're going to have so much time together. And it just, 
it just makes me feel like, yeah, you know what? There are a lot of things that he does special with me, even though I can't do those other things. It is remarkable to me, um, the empathy that children naturally have, Mm -hmm. you know, just as like born humans, those first couple of years and like their interesting, innate understanding of the world around them and people and different conditions. And it just is really fascinating to me. And it really is, you know, like a culture and society that sort of, you know, changes people or conditions them to, you know, think differently or see differently. It's just such a heartwarming story to hear your son, you know, think about your relationship in such a beautiful way. It is. I mean, look, there's moments where like all the kids in his class and all the moms were going on a hike Mm -hmm. and I can't do that. It was really hot in LA and heat's not good for my MS and I can't do an hour long hike. And Mm -hmm. so he went with his nanny and it sucked. I mean, I cried and I was devastated and I was the only mom that wasn't there. Um, But he gets it. And I think that, you know, in those moments where I could feel bad for him that Mm -hmm. he didn't have his mom, I try and think kind of like what you're saying is that, but maybe I'm raising a little boy that's going to be just a little, have a little bit more empathy or understanding or awareness of other people and limitations and not be faced by it and be okay about it and supportive of it. I think so. I mean, I think that there are teaching moments in every stage of life. Mm -hmm. And I think that with things like this, specifically with like the empathy aspect, I think that people can, I think adults can choose to have a certain perspective. And like, if you encourage children to take the same perspective, they just will naturally, you know what I mean? Like instead of this, you know, being a problem, like this is a teaching moment for me. And, you know, this actually is going to make me stronger emotionally, you know, or in these ways. Um, So that's so interesting. Yeah. But wow, you've certainly had to consider a lot um, that I think probably a lot of people have not had to consider before they have children. Yeah. Um, And I read that some of your doctors, you know, encouraged you not to have children, not to have another child. Mm -hmm. Is that true? It is true. Yeah. So when I got pregnant with Bo, it was an oopsie. We call him our Ambien baby. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be too TMI, but I'm sure you can figure it out. Uh Uh Um, And... uh, but then so with Jack it was more of a planned situation because I needed to go off medication and things like that and Mm -hmm. yeah my doctor was like why are you going to do that to yourself Mm -hmm. why are you going to add more stress in your life why do you want to be more tired and I'm a very good patient but there are certain moments in my life where I will say no I'm MS chooses a lot of things for me and this is not one thing that it's going to dictate in my life. Like Mm -hmm. I've always wanted at least two kids. I've wanted a bigger family. I think siblings are wonderful and I was so grateful for my two older brothers and I want to give that to Bo and we're going to figure it out. And because my husband is the type of guy that's like, let's listen to your doctor. Like one's enough. This is great. And I was just very adamant about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that I listened to my gut and myself and I always do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, everyone's just looking out for me and I get that. But in the end of the day, I, I think I knew, know what, and knew what was best for me. Well, you're the only one that's living in your actual body and in yes. your mind. So I assume that you would know better than a doctor, like what your real limitations would be. Yes. Right. Of course. Yeah. And, and, and we, that's a, one of the reasons why we waited as long as we did mm-hmm. in between kids was because I knew that Bo would be a little bit older and, it was, I wasn't gonna have to like hover over him and his safety and mm-hmm. like have a newborn like in right. my boob or like in a you know a <laughs> sling 
that he could be on his own outside playing Legos or coloring or watching TV, whatever it may be, and we were going to be okay. Like, it was much easier for me to parent with an older kid. The Legos. (laughs) You know what, though? God bless those Legos. They keep them busy for a while. Yeah, I can imagine. I've lost many nails from them, though. So I would be really interested to have a conversation about your MS. Um, And for listeners that don't know, can you just give us sort of like the brief background on what MS is? Of course. Um, You've had it for 16 years? 18. 18 years. Um, Just sort of tell me kind of the background of that, Mm -hmm. just about the disease at a high level. Okay. So to quickly understand what MS is, it stands for multiple sclerosis, which is translated to multiple scars. So basically... It's not like a positive or negative test. It's kind of like walks like a duck, talks like a duck. So they, it's a process of elimination usually when you get diagnosed. And what they find usually on your spine or your brain MRIs is little lesions, which looks like little scars. Mm. And they're different for everyone. It's like a snowflake or a fingerprint. Everyone's MS is different because these little scars show up in different places. And the way that it affects and attacks your body is like... You have an electrical cord, right? And it's plugged into the wall and whatever device you have, and it has this plastic or whatever this thick coating is around it. So the signal can go easily from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Now, what MS does is it eats, it. the body turns and looks at itself as a bug instead of like attacking a sickness, mm-hmm. and it will eat away at that coating. So when this wire, like my brain will tell my right leg to move because there's holes in that coating, it will misfire. So it'll be weak. Mm-hmm. weaker than my left side let's say so sure. that's kind of I hope that it kind of explains what it is yeah very clearly to me okay least. great um so that so when I was 20 I was diagnosed with MS um the way it affects me and has affected me um I went symptom free for a little while and uh because of that I kind of rebelled against the whole idea that I had it mm-hmm. and because I was on Sopranos at the time and I was being advised to not tell anyone because they would assume I would be fired. Like nobody knew about MS. Um, I just kind of kept it secret. Mm -hmm. And the medication that I was on at the time was like a very, very large needle shot that I gave myself multiple times a week that made me feel like shit for Mm -hmm. like a full day after I would take it. And because I wasn't symptomatic, I was a terrible patient and I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 24, I went through a really, really difficult divorce and it was like the MS just like reared its ugly head. I mean, stress is a is a killer for everyone and anyone, but especially when you're dealing with any kind of chronic illness or an autoimmune disease or neurological, you know, it can be tenfold. It's a trigger. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so that's when it kind of started to surface. And is MS an autoimmune? Yeah, it's auto neurological and autoimmune. So okay. I was I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease before the MS, and what we're trying to figure out, what we think possibly happened, was the Lyme disease woke a dormant MS gene that I had. Interesting. So I guess like sometimes we wonder, is this Lyme? Is this MS? And that can be a whole rat race that I've run circles around a million times and trying to treat one or the other. But now I've kind of slowed things down and kind of just treating myself as though I'm living with autoimmune neurological and just kind of not defining which is which. Mm -hmm. Um, But the symptoms that started to kind of show up for me was bladder incontinence, which can be kind of a common denominator amongst women with MS, which Mm. sucks. I mean, when you're 24, 25, 26 years old and you feel like you can't hold your bladder or you're having to wear Depends sometimes, like not only is it like 
physically terrible but like emotionally like really fucks with you and I was like young and dating and like you can imagine like all these just different things that I'm having to deal with and working and dealing with wardrobe and trying to hide it able to rectify that with medication but then also my right leg started to kind of give out on me it Mm. was just not functioning as well and not to be super dramatic about this but the very last time I was ever able to run was the very last scene I shot for Sopranos when Meadow, the very last scene where she's running across the street to go into the, before it cuts to black. Right, yeah. Literally the next day, completely lost my ability to run. I don't know. I mean, there was some otherworldly thing that was looking out for me that was able to allow me to do that. Um, And since then, I mean, I think I went on a bit of a decline for a couple of years because... I was living with the secret. So with the secret came a lot of like guilt and shame and terrible feelings and stress. And, um, I wasn't sure what wellness was, how to take care of myself with this disease. You know, it was just something that was so foreign to me. I grew up on like white bread and regular Coke. Like I didn't eat any, any vegetables, any fruit. It was just never presented in front of me. And, and it was just, wasn't like something I ever Mm -hmm. reached for. And so I just didn't know where to begin. And when I was around 30 years old, uh, a friend of mine was leaving the business to become a life coach. And we sort of leaned on each other. And he started to like really teach me about like how to genuinely care for my body. And I think because I was sick, like it was almost like I wanted to punish myself. Like you feel like you've done something wrong to deserve this. And so Mm -hmm. it felt like, oh, on top of this, I have to eat gluten dairy sugar free like fuck that like this is so unfair but it was about kind of like shifting my perspective and my ideas about it and just wanting to take care of like the body that I had even though it felt broken that's really interesting um I'd love to circle back to sort of the origin and we don't have to get into it too much because it sounds like you've already uh (laughs) done this quite a bit but so so you think that possibly it started with Lyme yes and it turned on some coding in your genetic code. I sound stupid, but sort of you know like what I mean. unlocking some like okay. dormant something gene. that was dormant. Because at do you 19- remember having Lyme? Do you yes. remember getting bitten by a tick? I, so I was shooting this terrible that no one will ever see um, horror movie in Jersey mm-hmm. in the woods, and when I was nineteen, so about a year and a half before I was diagnosed with the MS. Sure. And I remember people saying, like, everyone checked themselves for ticks, whatnot. And I did. I looked all the time, never Mm -hmm. found anything. And then a couple of weeks after that, I started feeling, like, numbing, tingling in my feet. Mm -hmm. And then every day the sensation was rising and rising and rising. And then it got to my hips. And by the time it did that, I was like, "Uh, maybe I should see somebody about this. So I went to the emergency room. And I was in the hospital for, like, 15 days in ICU no one could diagnose me like the creators of Sopranos were coming in being like is she gonna walk again like nobody knew and I was so certain that I was gonna walk again every like it was just one of those moments like this is crazy they need to figure Uh this out and my friend from high school's mom was a neurologist at that hospital Mm -hmm. and said we should check her for Lyme's disease because it wasn't uh, it wasn't I mean it's still people aren't talking about it enough but even then like they were barely talking about it Mm -hmm. and the test came back positive so they immediately started me on antibiotics and steroids and learned how to walk again in a couple of days and mm-hmm. all seemed fine. And a year and a half after that, when I got diagnosed with EMS, so that sensation started to come back. Like the, it's almost like 
the feeling right before the pins and needles starts like that heavy like my foot's asleep yeah I know exactly okay so that started again and so I went to the hospital just thinking I was going to get another course of antibiotics or whatnot Mm -hmm. and then they diagnosed me with MS so obviously that was not what I was expecting at all yeah that is a remarkable story yeah well, I mean, what was your feeling in that moment? You know, my kind of my whole attitude when I was young was like, okay, moving on. Like I didn't actually ever sit with anything and really digest it or understand it. I, it was just more about, okay, how can I fix this and keep going? Right. I think that um, in hindsight, when I look back, I could see how the MS could have been almost like a gift in my life it, maybe it's because I'm an actress but I always try and look at my life sometimes back like a movie and try and see where the lessons were mm-hmm. or like why things happened the way they did and I what it's not like I was going down a bad road but I was just not going down a road of any sort of physical emotional or spiritual like well-being wellness like in my mind at all I was mm-hmm. kind of like burning the candles and like pushing through and who knows what could have happened to me if I wasn't like kind of stopped in my tracks the way I was. Um, and I, I kind of like picked up my bootstraps and was like, okay, I'm going to deal with this. No one needs to know. And I'm going to cover it up. And I always had this fantasy where like one day I'll come out about it when I'm healed. Mm. And during the 16 years that I kept it a secret, I tried everything. Like I flew to foreign countries paying $100,000 for a stem cell thing. I I had some random person down in San Diego, like put this tube up my thigh into my throat and blow up like a vein thinking that that like I literally tried everything. And when I say I tried everything, I tried it all by myself because I just didn't want to tell anyone. And I also Who was did you tell. My parents knew, my closest best friends knew that was it. Okay. My, even my oldest brother who passed away almost five years ago, he, he lived with like really bad anxiety and OCD and like I didn't tell him because mm-hmm. I felt like he wouldn't have been able to handle it. Sure. My, my grandmother didn't know for instance. Like it was just, it was a you very really well kept, kept secret. Yourself. Yes. I mean, just the weight of that. It, oh, oh for sure. Uh, I can imagine caused so much stress and just f- 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 fucked you up. <laughs> Oh oh my God. So much. I can tell you that when I decided to become public with it, and I'll talk about that in a Mm -hmm. second, but like when I did, there was like a resounding, like amongst everyone in my life, like, yes, like finally, like they were just so relieved for me because they all felt like I had nothing to hide. Right. And I felt like I had everything to lose Mm -hmm. by saying, it was almost like, I just felt like peop- that was the only way people were going to see me. Right. Yeah, I understand. You know? Yeah, of course. And, I was, and also, too, it was going to mean that I really had to accept it myself because obviously I was looking for all these quick fixes and nothing was working. Fuck, holy mo- 16 years of that. Yeah. It goes by fast. <laughs> but yeah. I can imagine. But I mean, that experience in and of itself of constantly searching for the answer, mm-hmm. for the cure, um, I mean how did that change you as a person? Um, well, I think in very many ways it broke me, but in also in other ways, it almost like broke me open. Mm. I think that it, it 
led me towards really realizing that I needed some sort of foundation of faith Mm -hmm. and I needed to like redefine what that meant. Mm -hmm. Um, because like this idea that I was raised with, like of like a God, it felt like I was being punished by this God. Like, why was he letting this happen to me? Like, why did he want me to be an actress and then have my body not work? Like what, Mm -hmm. what the fuck did this all mean? And then, you know, I also just realized that like a lot of my, and as actresses, we're all, a lot of us are like this, but like a lot of my self-worth came from like outside validation and my career. And I really like, I had no value of anything beyond like my credits. Mm -hmm. And so it really made me like go in and dig deep Mm -hmm. almost to the point where now, like when I see like any healers or anything, they'll all tell me like, you know, it's funny because we try so much with people to get them to go in and learn how to like try and like connect with themselves in here. And they're like, you are so in there that you don't want to come out. Like Mm -hmm. you, you are so happy and content with who you are and being where you are. And that truly is like one of the gifts I think that MS gave me in the sense that it just, it really shifted my focus out Mm -hmm. from everything out there and made me focus so much on myself that, you know, at first it was kind of messy, but then kind of turned into something beautiful. Yeah. Before we started recording, um, we were talking about kind of how this has really changed your perspective. Can we get into that a yeah. little bit more? So for but very it's fascinating to me <laughs> and I, I totally understand what you're saying, but I, I would love to kind of hear from you. Of course. That sort of journey. So for very, very many years, and I'm sure lots of people that live with anything chronic can feel this way. I mean, it was always about what it's taken away from me, like what I could have done without it or where I could have been, you know, if without it. And yeah. I've really, since coming, well, first I'll talk, when I came public with it, what really got me to that point was that my son was about two and a half, mm-hmm. Bo. And he had some awareness of like what I could and couldn't do. Sure. But I realized like, A, I can't hide this anymore. Like I can't really lie at work and blame this on a back problem or that I sprained my ankle. Like this is exhausting. Like to the point where I don't even want to do this anymore. Yeah. So I've got to make a change. The people around me, especially my husband. Oh, he's my fiance at the time was like really being like, what, why are you doing this? Like just tell people. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, you know, what kind of lesson am I giving my son as he's going to get older? He's going to be living with me. So he's going to hear it. He's going to know I'm a doctor as I'm doing certain things like, and I'm going to ask him to keep that secret for me. Mm. Like, what am I saying about the world? Because to kids, what do we always say? Like, you can be anything. You can do anything. Everyone's different and special. And that's what what makes you unique is what makes you special. And, And tell the truth. And tell the truth. Exactly. That <laughs> and too. And talk to strangers. That too. All of those. All of those. Yeah. Um, and so I really felt like not only do I have a responsibility for myself, but for him. And like I needed to let go, like I said, of this fantasy of like one day being like, I had this and now I'm okay. And just instead mm-hmm. of instead being like, I'm living with this and I'm okay. Sure. That's really powerful. Huge, huge. And so I just, when I decided to do that, I remember I called my manager first because I was wondering what he was going to feel about because he knew at that time. And he was like, yes, I'm so excited for you to see how life will show up for you with this. He was so on board. 
And so I was getting married a couple of months after that. And I decided that's when I wanted to do it because I felt like coming out with my MS at a time, a celebratory time where I'm walking down the aisle and dancing at my wedding, even though I'm barefoot and I can't wear my high heels, like I'm celebrating life. I'm living life my own way despite all this. So that's what sparked that. Mm -hmm. And then since then, it's been this moment of this long moment of kind of owning and accepting my MS because I'm so used to like looking at the ground and not making eye contact with people because I don't want to be asked why I'm walking the way I'm walking. I'm so used to trying to cover it up, trying to hide it instead of just letting me myself be the way I am. Because I remember my friends always saying like, Jamie, we don't, we don't notice like mm-hmm. anything about you because whether we're used to it or whatever it is, like that's not what we see when we look at you. And yeah, of course. They, I actually ha- I had a birthday two years ago where I came home and all my best friends were at my house. I didn't know. And they all sat in a circle and literally made me sit there and they all told me what I meant to them and like what they wished for me. It was the most intense Jamie's night of my life. Cry. By the way, Nikki was there and Nikki <laughs> bawled harder than anyone. <laughs> It was the most beautiful <laughs> night of my life. And talk, we were talking about no sleep. Also, I had a newborn at the time and I was like, not okay. I was oh my just, God. but it was just, it was a moment where my friends were like, they to tell me like, this isn't, it doesn't define you. Like, yeah. this is not what we see. And like, please take this birthday to move forward with your life. Thinking all these wonderful things about yourself instead mm-hmm. of all that shitty things that you say, like that you can't, you're not, you're not. And that literally shifted things for me to be like, okay, I need to make a change, not just for myself, but for my kids and my future and my dreams, because they're still alive and I still want them. Mm -hmm. And I believe I can make them happen. I mean, my God, a girl just won a Tony yesterday that's paralyzed in a wheelchair for the lead in a Broadway show. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, think there's tons of possibilities and opportunities. And now it's almost like I'm looking at, what MS has given me Mm -hmm. and it has given me a whole lot that I'm very grateful for. Um, a perspective, um, a true foundation of faith in myself. Like the definition of strong is completely different for me. Like I, I, I'll sometimes sit back and say to my husband on a Sunday night, you know what? I did this, 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 and this this weekend. Like, I'm a badass. And he's like, yes, Jamie, I'm so proud of you. Like, this is, instead of being like, this was hard, and this weekend was hard, and I didn't get to do this. I'm not saying that the things that I that I just listed were not, were easy. They were hard, mm-hmm. but I still did them. And I showed up for my life. And I feel like the more I'm showing up for my life now, like the more life is kind of showing up for me. And maybe it's, I'm just noticing it or maybe it actually is changing, but either way it's making me a lot happier, making things a lot easier. I I have to imagine that it's really just about your perspective. Mm -hmm. I'm sure great things have happened to you your whole life, you know, but it sometimes requires great tragedy to really change the way that you see the world and your um, position in it. And it seems to me that you have just made a choice along the way to, um, to, 
um, approach this in a really positive way. And, you know, it's shaping you into the person that you never knew you could become. Yeah. And I think you really like who that person is. That's what I'm hearing from you. At yeah. Least. Well, I think and that's why I think that birthday was so special because mm-hmm. it like it made me really like sit and look around at like all these faces that I love and respect and care about so much. And for me to realize like all of these wonderful things that they're saying to me that I am not just that I am, but that I am to them Mm -hmm. because we can be so hyper-focused on ourselves, like to sit and realize like the difference that we maybe make in other people's lives because that's where sometimes we don't realize that. And I think that's when you're a mom, you do get that. You get that satisfaction and you Mm -hmm. get that. It's very apparent every day. You know what I mean? It's very evident. Exactly. That the, like the, the love you're getting back from your kids because of what you're giving them or the joy that they have of just spending time with them. Like Mm -hmm. your, your actions are being repaid right there. But, um, I highly recommend everyone booking a birthday for themselves like that because it really (laughs) is a game changer. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, So I'd love to talk a little bit about your lifestyle now Yeah, because you said you grew up on, you know, white bread and full sugar Coca-Cola, which a lot of people did. By the way, which I still like, it's like my Christmas, like that's what I want with sweet potatoes. Like, (laughs) I don't know, like I just still indulge for sure. Yeah, I love that. But, you know, so you grew up sort of like with a certain lifestyle or yeah. sort of like approach to health and wellness. And by the way, like in the eighties and nineties, like nobody was doing anything. No. So like <laughs> that's not, shouldn't come as a shock to anybody anywhere. Um, but there has been this paradigm shift, right? And everybody's obsessed with wellness these mm-hmm. days and it means something different to everybody. And you have also had this experience of trying all of these things to, I think, cure you. Yes. And I think now you're approaching it from a different perspective of how do I take care of my body so that I can manage this every day? Is yes. that accurate? Yes. And so what do you do? <laughs> so I tried everything. Like I tried super extreme diets, like super strict paleo, gluten, dairy, sugar free. Um, this other thing called the walls protocol, which is like a lot of like liver and like, I don't know, like a lot of cooking and a lot of like crazy shit I had to order online. Like nothing was at Gelson's <laughs> and like, they were all extreme and I, they never made me feel better. They never worked. And so I kind of fell into my own thing and this is what it is. Okay. So I kind of by accident do intermittent fasting. Mm. I didn't mean to, but it's kind of what happened. So I will wake up and have like a little bit of coffee and then I kind of go until noon or one till my first meal. And it was happened because of my kids, like dropping this one off and mm-hmm. doing this one with this one and this one. Yeah, and then by the busy. time I like, stop, like that's when I would have my first meal. And <clears throat> my friend turned me on to this guy that's at all the farmers markets in California. His name's Dave's Korean Gourmet. And he has like this spicy chopped fermented veggie stuff and like normally I like hated all that shit but like when you mix it with a whole avocado and olive oil and sea salt and a little bit of lemon it's Mm -hmm. like so good Mm -hmm. I'm sure anyone that knew me like in my teens and early 20s thinks like this is definitely not Jamie talking yeah exactly (laughs) and then I just I because of like making these choices I was making them every day but Every single night, a big part, I think, of my mental wellness is weed. 
Like that's, that's. You're lucky you live in California. I'm very lucky that this is where I live. By the way, I always say like my children are what led me to weed because alcohol and MS don't mix well, but like I needed some sort of vice at the end of the night to like take the edge off. So when I get high, am I eating like an avocado? No, like I'm having some sort of treat. And so it's almost like I do like the 90, 10 mm-hmm. where like 90% of the day I eat very well, a very clean. I eat a lot of fish. I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat a lot of avocado, a lot of beets, mm-hmm. a lot of salads. Um, I guess I really don't have much gluten during the day, but I'm not like thoughtful about it. Like if I go out to lunch with friends, like I'll totally have a piece of the bread basket. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like I'm restricting myself. Sure. And then at night, like I say, I'll definitely have my treat. Like I'll have some frozen yogurt or I'll have some ice cream or whatever it is. And I think because of that, I never feel restricted. Mm -hmm. I feel very balanced and I'm in turn. And then I work out three days a week in my home with a trainer on a rug with free weights, nothing crazy, nothing special. And then once a week I try and get in the pool cause I can't do cardio, but that's the only place that I can kind of get my heart sure, rate up. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you saw my workout, you'd be like, how is she getting any benefit from that? But like I do, I'm in the best shape of my life. I saw right your muscles now. on Instagram, by the oh, way. Okay. I was like, can my arms look like that? <laughs> Yes, they can. Of How? How? If, if, if my arms can look like that, anyone's can because I don't, and I'm 38 years old. Like I'm no spring chicken, but this all happened this year for me. And mm-hmm. it's just because I think I feel like I figured out my balance. Yep. I figured out my moderation because I used to hate that word. Mm-hmm. I used to not understand what it meant. And I just, I never feel like I'm on a diet. I never feel like I'm restricting myself. I've kind of fallen into a routine and it's working for me. Yeah. And I also think mentally it's working for me. And like, I'm a big believer in, in the mind body connection. And I think the conversations we have with ourselves about everything that who we are, you know, our personality, our looks, our body, everything it translates. And I just think that I'm in a good place and I feel like my body's showing up. And even though it's not perfect and it's not exactly where I want it to be, um, I'm still doing everything that I want to do in my life. Mm -hmm. It's not, like I said, I mean, do I wish I was running and do I wish I could wear high heels and do I wish stairs were easier for me and things like that? Yeah, but I'm still independent and I'm still doing the things I want to do and it might not be as pretty, but it's still happening. So what I think is really interesting is sort of, you touched on it um, for a second, but just this concept of um, finding the right balance for you. Mm -hmm. And I was really interested to hear what your diet was as it correlates to your MS, because I think a lot of people with autoimmune sort of go down this experimental diet road Mm -hmm. of, oh, I shouldn't have gluten. I shouldn't have dairy. I shouldn't have X, Y, Z. And the more that I talk to people like you and my friends that have autoimmune or, you know, sensitivities or whatever it is, is that, you know, even though you have MS and you eat gluten, I have to suspect it's because your body can just tolerate gluten. And for the people that have an autoimmune and cutting gluten from their diet really works for them. I just have to make the assumption that like gluten probably was already an issue for them. Correct. Is that accurate? I, I 100% Am I making that up? No. And I see a naturopath. So my, I go to like the most amazing neurologist in Mm -hmm. New York and in his office, he has 
a naturopath, a psychotherapist, a physical therapist, a urologist, a gynecologist. So you literally wow. see everybody and then everybody talks and come up with a plan for you. It's the greatest place in the world. It's fascinating. What's his name? Do you mind sharing? It's Dr. Saad Sadiq. And it's the Tish MS Center in New York. I fly to New York for all my appointments. It's, wow. He is okay. going to change the world with MS. I guarantee it. Wow. Okay. And his naturopath there. So he's like a Western medicine guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he is... By the book, but he believes that there's like a nutritional aspect, which a lot of doctors don't, to mm-hmm. disease and how to treat it. And and Dr. Bates, um, who's the naturopath there, she says all the time that everybody's body is different, mm-hmm. even with disease. And right. so, yes, we did process of elimination and we tried different things and we've done the blood tests and we've done the things. And she said, she's like, if you feel great right now, I'm not, I can't tell you to change anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you, this, and it's also, I think it's because I'm happy. Like I don't, I'm very unhappy when I have to restrict a lot of things because it just feels like I'm not getting to live my life. Mm-hmm. And Look, if, if I go on a vacation or a bachelorette party or whatever it is, and I really let it loose for a couple of days, like anyone, you know, disease or not, I'll clean it up for yeah. the next week. Yeah, of course. that makes. I sense. have this cleanse that I do <clears throat> that a friend got me as a gift. This woman makes it here in L.A. and it's five days of like incredible like broth and like mm-hmm. uh all the greens and minerals and anything that you can imagine and a lot of the times if I'm feeling kind of shitty or if I'm feeling like I haven't been taking the best care of myself I will just do that for five days and it kind of like kick starts yep super everything yes exactly yeah yeah so it's I guess a balance yeah I love that so I mean I just think it's important for our listeners to kind of hone in on this idea that like it really is not one size fits all no um, at all and I thought that and I thought that oh I'm never gonna get better because I can't stick to this diet right and it's just truly uh, through process of elimination and through just a lot of trial and error I've I've figured out works for me yeah I'd love for you to sort of touch on people you know who are suffering from some kind of chronic disease or illness like how did you get started in a really meaningful way because you went through 16 years of experiments yes and you did it by yourself and so what was really the turning point for you was it having Bo that kind of brought you back to yourself I guess in a way right yeah yeah because I felt like you know, so much of it for me was tied to acting mm-hmm. and how I would never be able to be the actress I wanted to be or all that. Like it was just all tied to that. And so when I had Bo, I was like, oh, fuck this business. I'm just going to be a mom right now for a little mm-hmm. while. And I hyper focused on him for two years. And it was just an opportunity for me to kind of get to know myself like with him. Mm-hmm. I just like I really, like I said, I was like defined myself by my career. And so it was just really a chance for me to kind of like get to know me mm-hmm. while taking care of this little bitty baby and sure. him needing me. And um, it, it was, and also I think, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give credit to my husband too, because he took it on full force for me, almost to the point where like, he took the reins of my MS and kind of let me take the back seat and like figuring shit out. Mm-hmm. Like he would research stuff and, and it's, it's also, I think with anyone living with a chronic illness, I always say it's not just your disease, it's your family's disease. Um, because it truly is like affects everybody yeah, of course. and your choices. And it's been an ongoing discussion with us where, 
I appreciate the care he takes of me and how concerned he is and how much work he does for me. But at the same time, there are days where I have to check him and be like, yo, we're not talking about it today mm-hmm. because I can't feel like this is what you see when you look at me. Right. Like I, when we're having sex, not to be TMI, but like, I don't want you to ask me if I'm feeling okay. Like we need to remove like mm-hmm. that part of me sometimes from this relationship. And yeah. it's, and it's been a rocky road for us to figure out. And I think we're definitely getting there. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with my kids where sometimes even Bo will be like, is that going to be hard for you? And I'll go, yeah. But if mommy doesn't say anything, then don't worry about it. Sure. Like if I'm there with you, then it's okay. Mm. You know, and it, I appreciate him being aware, but it's just, I kind of sometimes have to remind them like, Hey, I've got this. Can we go slower? But then there's other times where I have to be like, Hey guys, mm-hmm. like I'm all right. Like, I'm finally Mila. Yeah. Yeah. That too. That's an interesting balance you have to strike. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's not, it's not every day, but yeah. it, it, it's enough that I it's a conversation. I can imagine that's that. I'm just putting myself in your shoes for a minute and being like, oh my God, that would be really difficult. Um, and something that I'm sure that you will continue to figure out within your family and like where your comfort zone really is. Yeah. Um, it's almost like you're creating boundaries for yourself, you know, within your own family, mm-hmm. within the context of the disease. Yes. Which I think is really healthy, right? That's the yes. right way to approach it. Because totally. you don't want to feel like you're sick every day. No. You want to feel like you. Yes, absolutely. And the thing with with my MS, which I'm grateful for, is that it kind of is what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't wake up one day and it, I have this, or I don't wake up one day and I don't have this. Yeah, it's It's been stable for eight years. It is what it is. And that's what's sort of given me the confidence now, after having my second baby, of like wanting to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in this place where when I walk in an audition room or I walk into a meeting, like sometimes I almost want to, like own my MS almost I want to like accentuate it because I just feel like it's such an opportunity for me to represent a group of people I think in the whole talk of like diversity and inclusivity like this can be part of it I mean we don't it doesn't the role doesn't have to have MS but like people do in this world like people have different afflictions and different People walk different ways. People do things differently, but that doesn't mean they still don't have a very full full life and a story to tell. And I feel like I'm almost empowered by it now. I'm wanting to be an actress and like put mm-hmm. myself out there again. I was actually curious um, because, you know, you lived with this as a secret for so long and then you made the decision to come out about it. And do you ever feel like there will be a point in your life where you don't want to feel pressure to talk about MS or be like a representative yes. of the disease because like in your own family you just said you know like there's some days where I just want them to see me as Jamie Lynn or just as my mom and yes. so do you do you think about the day you know that will come where you're like Jesus I peop- I wish people would just see me for who I am mm-hmm. you know separate from this well that was a that was my I think one of my biggest fears about becoming public with it mm. Um, because I would just be labeled as like the sick girl, you know, and who is going to believe me in any kind of character or anything in like career wise, because they just would always know that I had this. Um, I think it's, it's kind of just naturally shown me otherwise. Mm. Um, there's still people that don't know and like I'll, I'll audition for something or I'll work on something and halfway through project, meaning like weeks in someone in the crew or in the cast will be like, Hey, are you limping today? And I'll be like, I have MS. I'll be like, oh, really? I didn't even know. Mm. And so, and by the way, I always take that as a win. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> but at the same time, like, 
I think that it's it's it can be an opportunity for me to use it. And I've never, ever felt comfortable with that until recently. And mm-hmm. I think just sort of looking in the way the business is changing and the world is changing and even on social media, of just seeing like that a lot of people with MS reach out to me. Yeah. Um, I realized that while I didn't want to be the poster child. Right. Um, there are a lot of people out there that suffer in silence like I did. Mm-hmm. And even if they're uncomfortable talking about it, because people not in the business don't tell anybody, you know what I mean? It's of just course. like, and I, I truly think it's because it's a very hard thing to accept yourself. That's the only reason why you're not going to talk about it with people is because you're still dealing with your acceptance of it. Yeah. Um, but for somebody, for people to see me out here living my life and still pursuing my dreams and doing a lot of things while I try and be as honest as I can, that it's, it's not perfect, but I'm still doing it. Um, if that could help anyone, then fuck I mean that's this is a great platform for me to have and I should be doing this I feel now that it would be irresponsible of me to not share what I'm going through having the platform that I'm you know fortunate enough to have yeah I understand whatever size it is yeah. you know well it sounds perfect to me maybe not perfect to you but perfect to me um so we didn't talk about your secret ritual did we no okay (laughs) so so we'll end with secret ritual okay so i ask everybody that comes on the show like what is your secret wellness ritual the thing that you like maybe do shamefully but it makes you feel really good i mean i kind of talked about it but smoke weed (laughs) yeah okay that's like my thing like by the way not even just for my ms but like just for like my sanity like with my my kids yes by the way (laughs) there there's there's a bachelorette party i was on not too long ago and my girlfriends and i just like all just popped an edible and we're all moms (laughs) and it was just like the best this is like who doesn't want to laugh all day with their girlfriends? You know what I mean? And yes. it's truly, it, 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 there's a lot of medicinal purposes and there are a lot of benefits to it. 100%. It helps with my spasms. It helps with my pain. Um, but it also just, to me, it's, it's like, keeps me joyful. Yeah. You deserve fun. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and I guess my I mean, other mom of two kids, you please take, take a moment. My other ritual is every night I do have a, a very big mug of, I was talking about that Dave's Korean gourmet guy Yeah, and he makes this veggie broth and it is the most delicious. It tastes like you're drinking like the best chicken soup ever, but it's mm. all made from vegetables. And I do drink that every night. I love that. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I wanted to ask you, and maybe that's it. But like when it comes to wellness, what's the one thing that you can't live without? Just in all wellness? Yeah. Um, or like what's something that you do for yourself now that you didn't used to do for yourself? That's mm. totally changed who you are or your perspective. Um, meditate. Mm. Yeah. What kind of meditation do you do? I do all guided. Because silence is deafening to me, if that makes sense. Like, it's just, it's too much. So I need guided, I need music. Um, So I really like Headspace, the Mm -hmm. Headspace app. Um, And it keeps track and it, like, reminds me if I've gone too many days. Um, But that really, I don't know, it just, sometimes in meditations, I'll go to a place of where I am running or I am feeling that freedom in my body that I don't feel necessarily when my eyes are open and I wake up or I'll come out of it and just be like, who's to say that that didn't just happen? Like mm-hmm. I just had that feeling and it, to me, it happened 
and it's a really beautiful gift that I can take with me. And so that's that. what, that's what I feel like meditation gives me. That's awesome. Cool. Um, well, thank you so much for being so open and willing to share your story. I think that, um, it will touch a lot of people in a really meaningful way. Um, where can our listeners find you right now on Instagram? What's your Instagram? Instagram's just Jamie Lynn Sigler. Cool. And then, um, where can people find your new podcast? It's called mama said, um, it's on Apple podcast or podcast one, or I don't know, I guess wherever you find podcasts, wherever you find new to this whole thing. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 